Hello and welcome to episode 105 of Page One, the Writer's Podcast. I'm Marco. And I'm Tarek. And thanks for joining us for the podcast where we like to speak to writers of all kinds about their writing careers, see how they got into the industry and try and get as many hints and tips as possible. Uh, And this season has been largely dominated by authors, although we did have Georgia Pritchett um, on who's written things such as The Thick of It and Succession as a screenwriter. But uh, we have this week, our I think it might be our first writer-director. I think that's show. right, yeah, absolutely. Now, I wasn't actually here for this episode, unfortunately, so I can only apologise in advance for the poor quality that no doubt this episode is going to take. <laughs> I'm, I'm only kidding, of course. I'm sure it's absolutely fantastic. Cause this I've... is obviously the best interview we've ever done because <laughs> Tarek wasn't there to, to take it off the rails. Well, well I'll, I'll be honest. I Because I wasn't there, I'm going to let Marco say this week who the guest was and um, some of the interesting facts which uh, I've been reading about him. Yeah, so so this week's guest is uh, Leroy Kincaid, who is, as I say, a debut writer-director. His, his first film, The Last Right, is just out. But he, as I talked to him about in the interview he had a very colorful background he um was a professional wrestler and actually held the world record for the mo- what is it the largest number of choke Most slams, choke in, a slams in one minute i mean there you go i mean but unfortunately listeners you'd be very sad to hear that marco did not ask him how this was achieved in my mind i was imagining was he fighting them off one by one and then getting it? Or were people lining up, waiting to be choke slammed in a, in a queue? I, I find this fascinating. I, I know. As someone who's never really it, watched wrestling, I find this just, I would love to have seen this massive it's, spectacle. It's a um, missed opportunity by me. Although I do speak <laughs> to him about the wrestling. Um, I also speak to him about, uh, you know, why he wanted to go from that career into um, writing and directing. He, he sort of went from wrestler to actor to them writing and to then... Creating, creating his own feature so it, it's a really inspirational journey inspirational story in a way because um he had no formal training on this and he's taught himself and now his film the last right is now out to available to stream uh, on various services i think in the uk so um it is a it's a good interview i will warn you that he does swear a few times <laughs> um so it uh, you know, we have no problem with that, but I just I just want to say that in case you're in a car full of kids or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but we'll get straight into the interview uh, after a quick advert for our writer's notebook, and then we'll be back at the end of the podcast with a bit more chat and to let you know about our future plans, because this is the last episode b- before we take a short break. But we'll tell you more about that after the episode. But for now, on with the podcast. The Blank Page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. 
As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. With these podcasts, I normally start with the question, did you always want to be a writer? But you, in particular, have had a very interesting career path. Um, you were a professional wrestler, I think, at one stage. You've been an actor. Um, so, you know, what? how how did you find yourself writing and directing at, at this stage? Yeah, I, I guess, um, like most aspiring actors, they say, uh, I got very fed up with... Um, not really one getting work, but two getting typecast uh, mm -hmm. in a way which I didn't quite like. I felt it fit too many tropes that typically go along with uh, someone being mixed race or black with the bit of a build. So you're only going to go and be a thug or you're going to go and be a this or a that. Mm -hmm. Typical trope type of um, yeah. mentality and how you're cast. So I just started writing tiny um tiny segments i guess T you know really tiny segments like um they'd start out to be like an action scene because they used to obviously what you said it used to be um back in the day used to be a professional wrestler uh segued from that into acting mm -hmm. and i used naturally part of that um performance um ability to sort of go on the screen so it, it just naturally became i'd write these little action short little pieces and slowly they would grow and grow and grow. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, I guess 2017 was when I got bit with the, the writing directing bug, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's because obviously I was writing parts for myself, but what I did is I started wanting to write, just write, you know, yeah. I, just, uh -huh. I just found it was a very, um, very good way to articulate uh, and express um, myself internally by escapism and creating these like abstract characters and worlds and environments. Um, and then, yeah, here we are today. <laughs> and I was going to ask if there was, I mean, you sort of alluded to it there. Is there, you know, even, even in the world of professional wrestling, when you're a wrestler, you're kind of a showman and you're an entertainer and you're, telling a story in a way uh, with with what's happening in the ring etc does that i mean am i right in that is is there an element of storytelling in, in what you were doing there as well yeah yeah absolutely um professional wrestling is all about 
storytelling if i'm honest uh you know you have a, a good guy and a bad guy you know you might have a build-up to a match and then the build-up to the match leads to the story having a beginning middle and an end mm. you know be it the end is you know you it's a, a cheap shot victory by the bad guy or the good guys to go over and win and save the day it's it's very much about that um mm. but i think what what the wrestling sort of allowed I would say for a lot of people is the escapism of witnessing a real life superhero of some sort yeah. mm-hmm. and allowing them to be sort of like live and direct with those people that were able to, you know, kick ass and take names mm-hmm. during a show and the other people and kids could live their self vicariously through those characters. Um, it, it's really similar to, to, to film, I guess, in some yeah. ways. Um, but then there's obviously a lot of ways that's not similar. So yeah, you know, quite similar. Yeah, and so in in 2017, you started you started writing uh, with these sort of action scenes and then and then building that out. But did, did you, uh, you know, what was the basis for being able to write the scripts? Was it the fact that you had been an actor, or did you did you have any experience in in writing? Did you go on any courses or anything like that? Um, so to start off in my earlier uh, stages of writing uh, scripts and stuff like that, I just uh, I just wrote like, you know, I, I wrote inherently what I felt made sense to write. Mm-hmm. So I think by osmosis, naturally, there's a storyteller in everybody. But it's like it's like having a talent, but then developing on the talent requires the skill set that goes into being able to tell a story um, in the best possible light that you want to tell it. Mm-hmm. So what I found was like, I just wrote stuff in the earlier days and then realized that basically towards the end of my earlier days of writing that I needed um, an additional set of skills that went into being able to help me um, set up a, a world, let's say, or be able to find the truth of the characters and and weirdly, it's like I think I was overthinking too much back in the days, as mm-hmm. opposed to being able to just let the story flow. But it's like it's like having a rule book without following the rules, but you know the rules inherently, so you naturally just stick to it. Yeah. So uh, what I did in to end of two thousand seventeen is I went on um like a an online script writing course to do with like horror. Um, you know, I love I love horror. Uh, horror action and sci-fi is definitely going to be the direction uh, that my career as a writer director um, goes. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, after doing this course, um, I don't want to say like it gave me like the cheat code of understanding anything because I think you're always still learning. Yeah. Um, but what it did, and it, and again, I say it's osmosis because I think we inherently know the truth but it takes awareness to realize that you knew what you've just been taught all along. Yeah. That sort of validation that what you were doing is, is correct and everything. Yeah. But you know, it, it was more about, um, it was more about understanding it to the point of where, okay, I, I sort of sensed my way to where I wanted to go, but I need to refine some of these other areas to be able to, get much better as a mm-hmm. as a storyteller uh so you know the course 
it helped me realize where I was. It helped me realize that, you know, there's more things that need sort of tweaking. There is a, a, a sequence of some sort that you need to find for your story, but mm. you don't have to just stick to that. Um, and, and yeah. And then, and then after that, I just sort of, you know, from 2017 to now I've, I've wrote a few other uh, scripts and um, got other concepts sort of in the percolator, just bubbling mm. up waiting to be wrote. So, and, and um, I mean, that's a good time to ask about, obviously your, your first feature is, is now out called the last right, which you wrote and directed. Um before we talk about it, do you just want to give us a brief summary of, of what it's about? Yeah, so the the last right is um, a supernatural horror um, feature that I, I would say that I wanted to make more grounded in um, not real life, but more grounded in a less Hollywood portrayal of a supernatural horror. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it was very important for that story, the, the, you know, the last right to have some. Um, you know, really interesting and a really interesting theme, but also be grounded um, in something that people that might have had certain afflictions of some sort might be able to relate to. So I had an experience of sleep paralysis quite a few times. Uh, so what I wanted to do was to ground this story around elements of that. So it's a it's a supernatural horror that sits between the worlds of exorcism of Emily Rose and um, Amityville horror. Um, and that pretty much is an overview without giving any more away. Yeah. If, uh, you audience want to have a watch? Uh, free. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And I mean, when you were, obviously you started out writing, you said shorter things, and then this is a feature, obviously your first feature that, that's been um, made. Uh, one of the questions we often ask is, you know, how, when you have an idea for a story, how do you decide or how do you know this is a this is a fuller story this is going to be a feature this isn't going to be a short this needs time to breathe and things like that i think the the key uh to any writer this this is more definitely an individual uh perspective is you've got to know how to identify what inside of you, what is the idea that sticks? You know, mm-hmm. we can all have ideas. We, you know, yep. I, ideas, everybody's got an idea. You know, you can go down to the corner shop and someone's got an idea for a film. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got an idea. But if you can sit with an idea long enough that one doesn't leave you and two begs to be told. Now, only us as the individual writer will know when is the right time to get in the mix? Mm-hmm. I think the, the the key with writing is actually to take your ego and put that aside because sometimes the things we want to write is not the thing we should write. And the thing that's sort of secret, secretly underneath, just trying to poke its way to the surface is the thing we should stick to. Yeah. So um, the last write, as an example of that, um, I look at the last right like one was an exercise to exercise a lot of um, things that I hadn't quite tried. And it allowed me to get those out. Mm-hmm. It allowed me uh, room to breathe and to explore because I know that like there's one bite at the apple. And then after that, probably a lot of things will change. You know, you'll make a film and you'll have other yep. people involved and you'll have all this money and all this other stuff. So I said to, said to myself about what's going to be different with the last right and how am I going to go forward and make that happen? 
I had to identify it. Was this a story I needed to do first? Uh, it, it didn't leave me alone. So I knew it was the one that I needed to write. So for me, um, everyone's ideas come to them differently. But I had, let's say, a, a, a vision of a guy stood on a set of stairs in silhouette. I don't know why I saw this man in, on the set of stairs in silhouette with a hat, but I did. And it was like, you know, it would be there every day. I'd wake up. I'd just see mm. this guy. You know, I hadn't actually seen a guy, but in my mind, I'd no, seen, and, yeah. seen this character. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, John, let me just draw it. So I drew it, you know, I drew it. When was it? 2018, probably like June, July, I drew it. And um, I was like, right, what, what, what does this mean? I'm asking myself, like, what, what am I doing in this moment? Why have I just drawn this character? or this random mysterious person. And then slowly but surely things from my past started to pop up. I started to remember like, Oh, I remember hearing of shadow figures, Um, you know, yeah. Demonic possession and stuff like that. I was like, okay, is this an idea? Like, cause Mm -hmm. it's really weird as a writer, you have so many internal dialogues and I think it's quite healthy. It's quite psychotic, but quite healthy. And you have to ask yourself, like, in these moments, like, are these, is this the idea that I'm going to tune into? Because I think once you tune into the the resonential frequency that's going to connect you to your story, I, I, I don't know, some people can segue between different things. I, yeah. I'm i not that good at that. I, I tune into it and that's all consuming every day, day in, day out. So I started sort of exploring a couple of things on, um, on on the internet. I had a little look at some shadow figures and things like this. And I was like, okay, I feel like this is going to be a story. So then what I did is I just literally opened up word and I said, okay, if it's going to be the story, let's write. So I think sometimes the blank page is the most exhilarating thing, but can be sometimes the most scariest thing. But a lot of the time it's all about being relaxed, you know, and, and allowing ideas that come to you, come in write them down throw the ways the ones you don't want tune into the ones you like and then just feel it so after i'd seen this guy after i'd watched shadow figures i found the best through line that i can connect to is i need to tell a story it's definitely that i need to be authentic as possible the way to do that is to figure out how do i communicate my experience as someone sleeping or having sleep paralysis with weird things happening, how do I communicate that in a story that's not me? Mm-hmm. And then I just figured a few things out, played around, had a character, one character led to another. And then just identified from that, I guess, the theme in terms of where does this character go what happens and what's the through line between uh the story from start to finish and you know once i discovered a couple of things i just literally just started writing um well i I was going to ask about that i mean in your talk about your process a bit there because are you are you someone that it sounds like you're someone that like a lot of writers will have these ideas and sort of let them let them bubble away and other strands will come up and it's when those strands connect that you start to really roll with that idea but 
do you like to once you've got that state where once you're at that stage do you like to plan out the whole thing before you then start writing or do you sort of write and see where it goes so you know i was, I was saying about processes like last right allowed me to do some different things mm-hmm. well that what i realized about the last right and my process is last right i just i felt my way through the story and i just wrote it there was a story i wrote before that uh, called facility seven where I did, you know, the revision card thing. I, I mm. wrote everything down scene by scene, and I broke that scene down much more than the last, right? The the only way to really know your process is you have to try something, learn from that, try something else, learn from that, and then decide where you're going to go. Yeah. So my process 100% now is uh, definitely the revision cards. I find... Just having a God view of the story really makes some difference. And I think the difference it makes, it allows me to physically just see it before I start diving in um, and zeroing in on things. Um, I'm very cautious to, 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 to not overdevelop when I'm in this stage. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't like to know too much about the characters. I don't like to know an awful, awful lot about really too too much to do with characters. All I need to know is like at which points things happen relatively, they can move slightly. What's my end? And, you know, I I do sometimes like to know the way I'm flowing through to the story's Mm -hmm. end Um, because a lot of the time, because I've sat with things for, for quite a while, I've sort of watched the movie anyway before I've got to this point. Um, so I know that there's the through line through the characters to how they get to this stage. And then now it's about once I've had my God mode moment from top eye looking down, I then literally put it all together, put it in the cupboard, throw it away. And then that's when the magic start, yeah. starts coming into it. Um, yeah, I, I find a lot of the time, once I know that there's this beginning, there's the middle, I can see that there's the end. I find once I get the uh, the vomit draft out, and and not like, not, I I I don't just believe in just writing anything for the sake of it, yeah. just so you can fill up the page and then then revising it later, because I think you can write yourself into oblivion if you did yeah. that. But if you took your time before you start writing on you know final draft or whatever software you're using you've got a very good idea of where you're going. So when you need to adapt a scene or two, it's not going to radically shift Mm -hmm. the entire story. Whereas if you don't really know where you're going, and if I'll be honest, like the one thing that why I think this is my process might not work for everybody is that when I did the last right, I didn't do this process. I just put it in a word document you know, scene by scene, put it in there and allowed that to happen. And then that found its way into final draft. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I do this now additional step, which I've realized is my thing. And that is transferring that to uh, revision cards. Um, I, I don't know. I guess it's maybe a way I learn or something, but I find having something tangible that I can touch in physical format mm-hmm. You know, it's like seeing your first draft of the script when you print yeah, it yeah. out. There's something about just seeing it physically in the world that that makes you feel like 
it's finally something. Brings it to life a bit, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah. it, it, was it always the intention that, that you were going to direct this yourself? Because when we've spoken to other screenwriters on the podcast, one of the things that, that they keep coming back to is that when you make a film, you can write the script, but you have to then hand it off. And at that stage, you know, a hundred different voices start pecking away at what you've written and you kind of just have to accept that as part of the process. But mm. if it's a, if it's a film like the last right, which is a bit a smaller budget and you are in more in control of it, um, it's yeah, you have a bit more control. Was that always the intention with, with this one? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like um, I, as a storyteller, you know, um, Obviously, I, I naturally fit the bracket of being a multi-hyphenate, you know, director, editor, mm. da, 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 da. But ultimately, I just look at it as a storyteller. Um, mm. You know, I'm just conveying um, a story to, to people. So I'm communicating, uh, you know, as a director, working with the brushes, which are the actors. You know, they are like the, you know, the, the, the things that bring it to life. But it's like, you know, I'm communicating to them. That's a, a version of telling the story. I, I write, that's another way of telling the story. If I'm editing, that's another way of telling the story. I think the good thing is to have a very eclectic um, set of tools that you can use that then eventually you don't need to use because you will work with other people to help bring things to life. Um, but in the earlier stages, I think you, you're, sort of, you're sort of bound by blood to make make it by any means necessary I, mm -hmm. I, I think you know um i i do believe i do believe like the writer yeah i will say this i do believe that the writer is ultimately god when it comes to story um i i'm not i'm not a director that would work with a writer and want to impose my vision on that writing if i worked with a writer mm -hmm. because the thing is is everybody's got an idea on their perspective on what they should be saying in this story. But there's only one way you're ever going to see the truth of the story. And that's on the writer themselves, because the writing is a process where I believe it's quite, I believe it's quite spiritual, but, you know, I don't want to get all godly and stuff, but, you know, I do believe that we are ultimately used in a way to communicate or convey a message to the world through story. Um, I have a process that I naturally feel when I'm in a writing mode, mm. you know, and when I'm connected to that, like, I'll be honest, I don't really think when it comes to writing. So I channel whatever it is through me into the page and whatever. And I, I've, I feel these people and characters come into life. They're like people I know, but I don't know them. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're there. And when people who have an idea on what these people ultimately are about try telling you like this is what you've got to do maybe do this maybe do that but they all they've got is their own perspective when, and what i'm talking about is not people directly linked to writing other like people that might have a suggestion and i'm not saying there's not um good suggestions because obviously there are but the thing is if everybody gives you a suggestion and you blow in the wind like a bloody, you know, a weed, yeah. taking every bit of note and direction and here and there, you end up far from your vision. And 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 the thing is, as a director that writes, uh, you know, the, the one thing I'm very steadfast on um, 
is respect to the characters in the story. And I and I and I'm not I, I'm definitely not someone that's gonna bastardize my characters because people think that they've got an idea better than mine. Because if mm-hmm. you've got an idea better than mine, you go and write your story then. Because mm-hmm. I've had conversations and meetings, you know, I'm so I'm I'm there to talk about the project we're working on or like the stuff that we're in. And then people are like, oh yeah, you know, uh, I've I've been thinking of an idea as well. With all due respect, I don't give a fuck about your idea. <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about this and you telling me about your idea. Go fucking write it then. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I know it's a, it's not popular discussion because, you know, people were like, oh yeah, don't write like this, write like that, la la la. Now I'm quite an expressionate writer. So, I don't believe in writing staccato. Mm. I, I don't like writing staccato. I think it's very bland and it's very, um, it's just very boring. Like as an actor, if I'm reading a piece of piece of literature and what I'm seeing on the page is guy walks in, goes over, da, da, da. And it's the, very they, technical, what, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And the idea is that because you don't want to impose on anybody's vision and direction or whatever. And I get that. I do get that. So like my, um, my work, when you read it is very much like you can see the vision and the aesthetic, but, but I'm, I'm going to be the one directing it. I'm not, I'm never going to be a paid writer. I don't want to be a paid writer because that's not what I'm about. Mm -hmm. But what I do believe in, um, is that I do think that there's not enough respect for writers. And I and I, I'll, I will champion that for the rest of my mm. career because I think if I took someone else's script, and I said this earlier, and I was going to direct it, the, the most important thing for me, because I've wrote and gone through a process, it's not about all getting the aesthetic and getting the vision and how it looks down it's making sure that these characters stay true to who they are throughout the entire movie and not just segueing them off because it makes the most sense for budget or yeah. whatever. Now you might be, you might have to nudge characters in a slightly different way to, to get something across because of the budget. Now that's unfortunately something we might have to, deal with as writing with writers but you know those things are not too bad it's the things where you pass off a bit of work and then people are trying to make commentary on an aesthetic around a couple for example so like in my next project um there's there's a couple that are not a couple that was a couple they're never supposed to feel like a couple, even though they're close to being like a couple. It's important that they're not a couple. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a note that I've seen where people want to see them as a couple, but they're not a couple. Yeah. They're an ex. She's there. He's there. He's trying to win her over. That's the story or part of it. If people don't in in this in this story, if people are not vibing that, then they're not going to be the right people that yeah. I end up working with. And, you know, I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very headstrong when it comes to my ideas and I'm not about not making changes that are necessary, but if it's a case of making it and it's a case of waiting to the right time to make it, 
I will be waiting to the right time to make right. it because I, I could not imagine. Actually, no, sorry. I've, I've seen it once. Um, I, I was working on a, a independent project in Columbia, not Columbia, in uh, Romania. Um, it was just before a shoot in the last right. And uh, there was the, this team, I was just doing some like um, acting slash stunty sort of work on it. And, um, you know, the production of working with this writer and the directors coming from LA and there's all this stuff going on. And um, I remember seeing the writer like sat in a corner, like most, probably most days. And he looked so, so stressed out. Like I couldn't tell you the stress that this guy looked Mm -hmm. like he was going through. And and I think what had happened is he'd been sold a bit of a pipe dream, like, you know, oh, we really want to make your story, blah, 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 blah. And he got onto set, you know, come to set. And he had this idea of all these characters. And I could see it on his face, man. And it, and, it, and I felt really sorry for him. And yeah. the production basically, in a roundabout sort of way, just used the story to communicate whatever they had intentions for had no intention of sticking true to writing. They changed all this stuff last minute. All these characters were just making random decisions that had no through line at all. It just whatever they were doing, they were doing. And, and I just never will forget the, the, how stressed this guy looked. And I can't imagine what it's like building something for like, you know, you sit with an idea for like a couple yeah. of years, yeah, you know, and then you build these ideas up to where you know that there's heart and soul in there because you've connected to it in a way. And now it's about not just your perspective. It's about just sharing that to allow these other collaborators to come on board and build it. And they just stripped it apart and fucked it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the result. And I was like, wow, I'm never going to be that guy. I'd I'd rather not make it if I'm honest. So so I'm sure our listeners would like to know, like if you, how did you go, how do you go about if you, if you have a similar um uh, vision to yours where you want to write something you want to direct it and stuff what was the process of actually getting a film like that made i can't imagine that was easy to to do no no i mean it it, it took it took um a couple of questions to be asked first um you know i was fortunate enough when i came up with the idea to be on a project uh, where I was about to just get like a little bit of money, you know, not a lot of money at the time. Um, mm-hmm. It was like about six, seven grand. I think I was getting paid for this bit of work, um, but it allowed me some money to be able to go, well, I've got a tiny bit of money now, not a lot, just a tiny bit. Maybe could we make something with some of this? So um, my partner who also works alongside me, um, Chloe Chudasama, she's a producer. Uh, so we work on projects together because mm-hmm. uh, it's just natural. Like, you know, we're a couple, but also we um, we work very well together. You know, there's no, there's no one not afraid to share what they think and no one's hiding nothing. We're like two yeah. people yeah. on the same journey. You know, we sort of had this conversation with her in 2018. Um, was just saying like, look, you know, do we we have ideas for things. We was going to shoot a proof of concept um, for a film I still want to make called Facility 7. We was going to shoot a proof of concept for that. Now, we'd just bought a camera 
well, we was just looking at getting cameras and stuff to shoot this um, yeah. little proof of concept. And now we was like, well, maybe we don't do that. What about if we shoot a feature? We, you know, we, we chewed it out a little bit and was like, well, it could be done. You know, I'm going to have some money when I come back from Columbia. Um, maybe we can club together and make something work. So that was basically the vibe of conversation. Uh, now, there's much more to it than that. You know, uh, I had to spend a load of time learning about uh, about cinematography in a way which is the detail of a DP, uh, DOP would learn. Um, now that's really, I, I, if, I'm thankful for that process, if I'm honest, because I've learned, I've learned so much more of being able to communicate uh, a message as a director by understanding elements of cinematic language, lighting techniques and color contrast and things that help build a tone. Yeah. Not just the tone of the story, but a tone into the aesthetic of how it looks as the story. So I guess you could say it was a process, you know, just like when I started um, fine tuning my writing, it was, you know, I had to go on a bit of a course. I had to write a little bit, like to finesse it a bit more and then gradually, slowly, but surely it starts to happen. It's the same thing with this. So, you know, I had to level up on a few areas. I had to level up on my editing. I had to level up on my color grading because I had to do all of that. Now, I think the key is as well is like if someone's going to do it is not to think about it in a way where you go, oh, my God, I've got to write. I've got to direct. I've got to do the cinematography. I've got to do all these things. Well, holy fuck. It's like 20,000 different things you've got to do. The, the key is not to think of it like that. The key is to think of it like do it in stages, you know, write the script, get yeah. the script done. OK, now how do you do it? Well, need a camera. Cool. Get a camera. Whatever camera you can get. If it's a case of just communicating a message, that would be the way to do it. I know it's not ideal. Uh, you know, we might all see our films being up there like Hollywood blockbusters. But ultimately, if it's a case of conveying an idea and a message and you want to make it happen, by any means necessary, you can do it. It just might take a little longer. It just might take a lot more of your blood, sweat, equity to go into the work. Yeah. If you're willing to pay that, like all things are possible, you know? Um, Cause I think like, you know, like, you know, I'm not saying that like the last right is groundbreaking and changing the world for a better place. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's like, but we had little to no help going in like literally little to no yeah. help. And, you know, between Chloe, myself and the sound guy, we were the three crew members that really made it happen. Around that, you know, we had a couple of people that came in and out with um, makeup and stuff. You know, it, it worked in some respects. You know, people can do the best they can do. But unfortunately, you know, not everyone starts a journey with you finishes, you know, yeah. and th there were processes we had to go through. And sometimes it it, it became easier to just have the three of us than it did to have anyone else because people like, like your storytelling, right? You show someone the script and people are like, Oh my God, uh, I think this character should be this or that or whatever. It's the same sort of thing. You know, yeah. people have got their idea on what they want to do in the journey. 
and some people want to work with it and some don't. And if you can navigate these things that try to derail you, you can in the end be left with something that, you know, you can be proud of, but also like, yeah, you know, you can improve on things, you know, you want it better. But the fact is, is you've done something a lot of people tend to not ever do. And that's yeah. get something made. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Cause it's like, you know, like today, like literally today, the, what 4th of um, April now, it's like, you know, our film through all of this process, it literally comes out on sky today. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't anticipate it ever getting to that. I thought we would get it maybe somewhere. I was thinking um, might, we might get it with Gravitas Ventures in the States. I was like, you know, maybe, you know, like we're, just a couple of people making a film and, you know, as luck would have it, you know, um, with God's blessing, we got it where it is. So, you know, for anyone out there listening, I would just say, just, if you can do it, just go and bloody do it. Yeah. Don't let anything stop you. You have to be quite single minded by the sounds of it, but yeah. And you were, you were nominated for uh, screen international's 2021 genre rising star award as well. Um, um, Does that sort of thing, give you some validation in terms of of what you're trying to do um i'm gonna sound very atheist people now uh (laughs) do you know the one thing i learned as a child um you know had a experience in my life and it you know like you know i went through school i had special needs i was in fucking all the bottom groups for everything english was my worst subject out of anything in school um, I would say anybody's opinion of you is not your reality, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And as great it is as it is to be nominated for stuff, I don't really give a fuck. And the reason why I don't is because I don't look for outward validation for what I do. And a hundred percent in life, we spend so much time battering ourselves based on what everybody else thinks. And nobody knows better than you. Nobody knows better for what's right or what's wrong for your life. Only you know, ultimately, what's going to be the best thing for you to make as a decision. Now, I believe very much so in if I'm going to fall on anyone's sword, I'd rather it be mine. Mm -hmm. Because the most important thing is like, if I make a mistake, I make the mistake. It's not, I've made a mistake because someone else has validated me to do something and I've made their mistake in my work. So for validation, I think it's great to get recognized like it is. It's nice. But for for when it comes to seeing myself as um, a creative or a storyteller, or writer, director, I just, I don't listen to anything else mm-hmm. outside of it if people were like, you are the worst guy, I don't give a fuck. Because I think the, the the key is like, I've got to tell these stories authentically and they're not authentic as long as I'm doing it to chase an algorithm, to chase what's current in the trends, to chase all these things. Because if I'm chasing everybody else's validation, I'm not staying true. Yeah. I don't think as a storyteller. Yeah. I, You're not telling your own story anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, 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 you know, absolutely. But the guys I will say at, um, at Fright Fest that connected the whole thing up and then got me in front of people, like, I will say 
even though I've just said all of that, I do think that it's great when you connect with people that see some of what you've got as potential. Mm. Don't have to be there yet, but see the potential. Mm. And I, and I, and I, you know, I do owe a little bit of respect to the guys down there for allowing me to have the film shown, but also, um, you know, without, those guys down there, I would never have um, been in front of the Screen International panel. So, yeah, yeah. you know, thankful for uh, meeting the right people as well. <laughs> and so, um, the last right, as you say, is 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 out today to to uh, stream um, or watch on Sky. But what what are you working on next? What's in the pipeline? So, the next project I'm currently working on um, is a horror feature film. Um, sits a bit like between. Uh, the strangers meets midsummer it's a little bit in that cult sort of arena mm. um it's a home invasion horror film uh yeah so this one i'm looking at like really pushing the boundaries with um home invasion i, I really want to make people feel quite uncomfortable um not for any purpose of trying to make people purposefully feel uncomfortable I think that if you look at facts and fiction, I think fact is a lot more stranger than fiction. And a lot of people tend to not really be so aware of how dark the world can be. And my work inherently involves light and dark energy. So what I, what I do is with the research, I, um, I stumble into stuff and things find their way into my work. Now, some of the things that happen are, I don't want to say inspired by true events, but they're definitely inspired by people in this world that have done horrific stuff. Mm. So what I want to, what I'm aiming to do as a, a storyteller on this one is really want to push the needle and go, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit dark. Yeah, but, you know, if you look at this guy who did this, you'd see, ah, the mm. world is relatively uh messed up you know it's like what is it hostel hostel was yeah. inspired partly by a website i believe in thailand you know and i mean like well, you, know, you pay a load of money and go and do all that it's, that's that's just yeah we, we've lost it at that point but it's so, what, so what stage is that at just now are you just in the early stages of that at the moment uh no i'm i'm currently on draft six of that one uh, i'm currently adding some additional um, elements to the beginning of the story. I, I, I felt like uh, I felt like we could do with experiencing a bit more of um, the protagonist's, um, how should we say, life experience before the moment. Because the way I wrote the last write was one way. The way I'm pulling this one in is very different. So. This one is very much like it's a lot faster paced in terms of what starts happening in in the story. But there's these little nuggets of this character's personality that I think that ultimately really do affect the, the way we as the audience will perceive her. And I don't want to leave parts of her out. Yeah. I, I think these little parts are quite, quite important. So I finished that last night and I've got what well, I've got to do. I've got to look at like some elements of like the, the the cult atmosphere and stuff like that. I think it's relatively there, but I just want to double check just to cool. make sure that I'm happy with that. So, are you hoping to shoot that uh, 
later this year or something? Yeah, well, the plan the plan is with um, the film's called Hollow Ones. By the way, I didn't totally forgot. I didn't even mention the name. <laughs> um, yeah, the film's called Hollow Ones. So that film we're hopefully aiming to get going by later this year, early next year. Um, you know, it, it's a, a case of like looking for the funding and stuff for this one now. Um, you know, could we do it how we've done the last right? Probably, but you know, the thing is, is we want to. You know, we want to level it all up and to level it up, we sort of need to work with the right yeah. team of people to help um, facilitate the idea. So that's the goal at the moment. What was uh, the last book that you read? Um, I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> okay. I don't read. Um yeah, I, I you, you you could be put it down to like I don't want to say um like a the label thing, but I just where where I went through school and just struggled with reading and writing. Um reading's just not something that comes very natural. I'm sure I could develop that skill, but the way I learn just means that I just I observe very, yeah. very, very well. So because of that I just end up I watch a load of videos. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. much where I get my learning well, from. That, that leads me on to the next question, which is what was the last film that you watched? The last film? Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, actually. The, the new one or the... The new one. Yeah, oh, okay. the new one. That was the last what one. What was it like? Yeah, it was really good. Um, really good. There were elements... There was a an element that I was like, oh, man, just guys you know so just uh, spoiler alerts guys out there yeah. just about to go into something um yeah so there's a moment where the, I, I think this is cardinal sin you just you just don't do this in in horror you don't do it you you leave the burning house you're free you can run off into the wilderness and pastures unknown and escape no you pick up the fire extinguisher and believe you can put out the towering inferno of burning people and stuff. No, you don't do that. The character was free to escape. Yeah. Grabs the gun, goes in. This guy's killed untold amounts of people. What makes you think you can do that? Like that was the, that was the bit where, and I think that whole end sequence anyway, um for me just it, it was a shame because it was it was actually one of the best horror films i've seen in a very long time um i'm very passionate about horror i i, I think horror horror's used a lot and it's you i say used in that word used um a lot but i just felt that that unfortunately that last sequence as good as it sort of seemed i didn't feel it fit with other areas of the way the uh, portrayal of the story went, Um, which was a shame because I was like all invested up until probably around just a bit before that point. But to be fair, I I won't take it away. I thought it was an absolute fabulous film and it was one that I definitely enjoyed a lot more than other horror films that I've seen um, in recent times. And uh, what was the last TV show that you watched or are watching? Uh, I, I would say Westworld. Oh, Westworld nice. was um, was one. I, I think that's a, that's amazing. That show, I love mm. that show. Yeah, it's great. 
Uh, and then the very, very last thing is an either or quick fire, just whichever one you prefer. Um, there's no right answers. Uh, the Exorcist or The Shining? Exorcist. Uh, harking back to your wrestling days, The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, Stone Cold. Uh, Night Owl or Early Bird? Night Owl, for sh- yeah, Night Owl for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, music or no music when you're writing? Oh, there's not an in in between. It, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a trick. That stumped me, man. I, I'm some. I'm in the middle. I do yeah, both sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I do both. Okay. That's um, allowed. That's allowed. Yeah, both. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the very last one: a uh, TV or cinema? Cinema. Oh, that was really good. And uh, Marco, uh, you Thank did you. a fantastic job. Yeah, was, if anything, I'm worried now that perhaps I'm the one who's being bringing the quality down this, on this podcast. That's what I say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, thank you very much to Leroy. And I have to say, we've chatted to a lot of folk in the past who have self-pubbed um, and they've brought themselves up from nothing in terms of writing books. But we've never talked to mm-hmm. anyone before who's kind of went from nothing in terms of making films, you know, going, doing it their own yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I said at the start it was a bit of an inspirational story, and it is in a way to 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 have the bravery to to do that and to the wherewithal to get a film made is no easy no, task. Um, much harder than and to get it on streaming services totally, and yeah. things like that. So, um, you know, it is it is incredible to hear that story. And obviously, he's now working, as he said, on his second film, The Hollow Ones. Um, and he's hoping to go bigger with that. So hopefully it will be a gradual process mm-hmm. where he gets more and more budget um, and, and is able to make a success of it. Do you think perhaps that when he originally approached um, uh, the film industry and said, I want to make a movie, there's a queue of them saying no, and he just chokeslammed his way down the line until he found <laughs> someone that said yes. Do you think, do you think, that, was I the, think it's connected. that was when the record yeah. was set? <laughs> I think that was his first movie. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, well, thanks anyway to, to Leroy for coming on to the podcast. Really appreciate him taking the time to do that. And The Last Right is now available to stream, and uh, certainly in the yeah, UK. I'm not sure worldwide. It, uh, yeah, so if you're a fan of of uh, horror, then it, it sounds like one to catch. So next week, there won't be an episode from us because we're taking a short break um, just to regroup and give me some time off so that I can spend it with my family instead of editing podcasts. <laughs> Mark has been living in the editing suite for the last six months and his, his yeah, kids exactly. have grown up without him. So, they... uh, so yeah, we, we, it won't be a long break, but the, we will be away for uh, a short number of weeks. We have already got some great guest writers lined up for the next episode, uh, next season. And um, we're also... We've got some exciting plans in the pipeline as well, no, I think it's fair to say. not sure much to say just now, because it's still a bit not locked down yet, but if we've got... Let's not, let's say, not say anything in case it all goes wrong. Let's not say anything, and then whatever happens, we can say that's what we were talking about. Yeah, we can just sell anything <laughs> yeah. as the exciting plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we'll be back with a little uh, twist on the usual format before our next season returns. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll speak to you soon. If this was your first episode... If you, there's a whole back catalogue that you can go and check out in the meantime and if you enjoyed the episode please do take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever your favourite podcast app is because it really helps us um, 
stay in the charts, which especially when we're not putting out episodes is really important so that we continue to get these great guests on the podcast. Yeah. And of course, if anybody wants to get in touch, they can always send us an email to podcast at rightgear.co.uk or drop us a tweet in the Twitter machine, which is at right underscore gear. But otherwise, have a great few weeks and uh, we'll speak to you soon. See you later.